You're listening to Creative Rituals with me, artist and illustrator Georgie Stewart. This is a new podcast about the daily habits of artistic life. Each week I'll be asking writers, artists, musicians and all kinds of creatives about how exactly they get down to it and make great work. How do artists plan their day to generate and protect their creativity? My guest this week is Xanthi Gladstone. Xanthi is a chef and organic vegetable grower based in North Wales, where she spends most of her time in her garden. She's hugely passionate about food sustainability and the magic of growing and harvesting her own ingredients to create delicious, nourishing dishes. Xanthi has developed a sizeable following online owing to the wholesome, uplifting effect of the pictures she shares from her life on the farm and the comforting food she creates. When she's not outside with her animals, growing seasonal veg or developing recipes, Xanthi hosts beautiful supper clubs. We chatted about swapping city life for the Welsh countryside and the creative rituals she has in place around food in the home. Because it looks so idyllic where you are in Wales. Have you, did you move there recently or? Um, I moved back like the year before COVID um, and then kind of stayed basically like still part-time in London but a bit of yeah mostly whale it's really nice yeah because I'm similar I was in London for about five years and I've retreated now I'm now by the sea in Devon so nice because <laughs> you're back and forth to London quite a lot with supper clubs now do you find the traveling for that do you mind the long journeys or do you work on the train it's not so much the long journeys um for me it's like And this has definitely been a period of my life where the traveling has been really intense, but like from the end of this year, hopefully it's going to all chill out a bit um, because it's not so much as traveling. It's more like being in one place, having a bag, then literally like three days later thinking about what to pack. I just find that like my, my actual ability to be productive is like I limit it I limit myself because I'm not allowing myself to like sit there and just settle in like I was in Wales for two weeks recently which sounds like nothing but like even having two weeks to just be there was so I was so productive because I was actually resting and then like it was yeah so it's a period right now is a period of my life which doesn't feel that sustainable but I'm really aware of it that makes sense. So I'm not like just going, going, going. I'm like aware that there'll be an end to this. Yeah. Although I find sometimes I, I'm always like, I just need to get through this bit and then it'll calm down. And it just never does, does it? It's just like on to the next. Mm, I know. I've got quite a good cutoff because I'm getting married in October. Oh my gosh, congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Um, And it's kind of like my cutoff. I'm saying no to everything post October so that like I have the winter just to like resettle and re-figure out what the next step is so I'm trying to my summer's always really busy because of the nature of my work and because like I do try and travel a lot like because I can work when I'm traveling so if I'm abroad like as much as I can be abroad as much as it's possible like I will be because I love that and that's like where I get my energy um but yeah, like I'm praying that I can actually have some calmness after we get married. <laughs> and are you going to be doing all the food for your wedding? I'm not doing it, but um, a really great friend of mine called Damien Clisby, who's a really 
yeah, incredible chef. Um, he's cooking. So we've been like organizing, you know, we've done, we've, we've put together the menu together and he'll be cooking it with like a small team. Yeah, nice. And when you kind of, that process of putting it together, because with your supper clubs, they're so beautiful, even down to the details of like the tablecloths, the napkins, the flowers. But how do you start that creative process? Do you sit down and make a mood board before an event or how, yeah, what's your creative process? I mean, like... Uh, it's nice that you notice that because and I think most people do now they like they kind of put me to to like the whole thing it's not just the food um I think for for the in terms of the creative process it's never been like I'm 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 kind of like all over the place as a person maybe you've already picked that up on that but I don't fit I don't work in the same way planning wise as a lot of people do I'm not like as regimented I'll literally know that what leads the supper club is the season that it's in. So like I had one in March, which just still felt quite wintry, but like beginning of spring. And then I had one at end of May, which felt again, like beginning of summer. So the menu is guided by like what vegetables are in season, but then further to that is like how I, how I put the tables together. So this, the one in May, I use like lots of color, um, and lots of like bright colors and the one in March was like a bit more neutral and like toned down so and then like the reflections of like what colors are on the menu because Hugo my fiance is a graphic designer so he does all my like branding stuff so that will be like reflected so it won't be I don't have mood boards because I like to kind of but I do really spend a lot of time in my head putting it all together so like I it's so much work goes into them because you're basically setting up a restaurant for a night but it's like I'll know which plate brand I want to use and then I knew that like the plates for the last time were going to be really colorful so I was like oh you know what it'd actually be quite fun to have really colorful tablecloths as well because it's like boom like overload and last time the tables the tablecloths were neutral so like those are the center points of the table and then actually I don't need very like out there flowers because the table's so out there. Whereas last time it was like the the daffodils were like the main center point of the table. So it's like I go through it a lot. There's a lot of thought that goes into it. Um and it's yeah, so it's mainly focused around like the season. So would you start with the ingredient that's in season and then go from there basically? Mm, yeah. And pick like I, I've worked like depending on the supper club I work I usually work with one food sponsor so this by way of sponsor I mean a food brand that will give me x discount or x like produce for free so I will look at their produce list and even if I don't have a sponsorship I'll look at their the the supplier I'm using produce list and like the one I've been using this year is called shrub provisions and they supply a lot of like they work with really amazing farms and supply some really great restaurants in London and they will send me like a produce list which will be for that week but they'll that will be like an estimate because obviously I plan the menu like a month in advance because I want to play with the dishes and all of that so when I it's like a big spreadsheet of all their produce and I'll go through that and I'll like make a note of what's in season then and what they have and then I'll have maybe like five or six vegetables that I'll know I want to use 
and then basically plan dishes around those because I don't do it like start a main pudding. I just do loads of dishes, one coming out at a time. So though that will be my like starting point. It will be like asparagus, tomatoes. Do you know what I mean? It'll, and then it's kind of like a spider diagram and then all the dishes come from there. And I guess being in the countryside has completely opened up the way you can cook now because you've got a greenhouse and you're on a farm with those animals. How transformative has that been for your cooking? And do you think, could you ever see yourself going back to living in the city again or no? I think, um, like, number one, yes, I could actually see myself living in the city because I think when I moved out of Wales, uh, when I moved to Wales, I was really young. I think I was 23 and I had no, I had not found myself at all. Like I hadn't found my like thing and like five years on, I have really found what makes me happy, what I need to feel good, like what I enjoy doing. And therefore I can much easier like put that into a city life than I could before, because before I was like, still thinking I needed to be going to the pub with my friends I needed to be like not eating very well I needed to be constantly rushed now I'm like okay well I need I value my own time and I need my comfort space so like if I was to move to London wherever I lived I would need to be my like haven and like I'd hopefully have access to somewhere where I could even just grow like herbs like a windowsill and then you know nearby find my local like fruit and veg grower fruit and veg shop that like was you know well priced good quality veg so like I think you I think I don't cancel it out number one because life just happens and like you don't know like and I'm in a relation like I'm getting married so that might take us he, he might take us to London or whatever but also it's just about like I've set my I feel like I've set my foundations now so I know what I need wherever I live if that makes sense yeah I love that I I think exactly the same for me because I think when I first moved here because I love it so much here I think I was kind of hating on London for a bit and I was sort of like mm. I stay much better here I'll never go back yeah but I think what you say is so true I think now I know now I have those boundaries in place and I know what lifestyle I enjoy I'm not saying I do want to move back but as you say if the situation ever arose I think I would just make sure I was somewhere where I could swim every day, which you can do in London. Exactly. You just have to know how to manipulate London to like suit you because it's it does offer so much and there's such great communities of people and things. And as you say, like swimming places, if you want to swim and like you just have to find it. And, and I think that's easier later in your 20s when you're a bit more sure of yourself. Yeah, definitely. Could you describe your workspace for me? I guess that's your kitchen, but do you have another area where you do the rest of your creative work? Um, when I'm in Wales, which is, I, I guess, the majority of it, that's kind of my base. Um, my kitchen and my dining room is like open plan. So I work on my dining room table and then I'm like in and out of the kitchen all day. Um, it's not actually ideal. Like, I feel because my life is very unsettled at the moment I feel like having not having like a desk where I where it is my like sacred workspace doesn't actually help my productivity levels but it does we have an office upstairs but Hugo works there because he's a graphic designer so he has the big screen and everything um so I guess I'm like a creature I need like 
a space that feels really like I don't know it, it, it doesn't it's not great but I love it and I love being able to like be in and out of the kitchen so um that's kind of my workspace and then probably my laptop is really or a kitchen and visually how would you describe your kitchen what does it look like my kitchen is I love my kitchen I love my house um it was re it was like done it was really decrepit basically when I moved in and it got done up completely just before I moved in and the kitchen I don't I love the kitchen in its like how do I put this I love the kitchen the kitchen's capable of being like the most incredible kitchen but it was done up quite quickly and quite cheaply so the cupboards and surfaces I don't love but you know that like if there's the financial capacity in the future or like it can be done but it's just at the moment it's not like my dream kitchen but I also love it and it's like really open and like my window looks into a cow a field of cows and um I like how open it is like at the back there's a back there's a back door to the garden and it's like fully glass so it's really light um so yeah I, I really like it there and let's talk about food and the daily rituals you've created around food. And we'll get really specific. Uh, breakfast. What time are you having breakfast? Where are you eating it? What are you eating? Are you listening to anything while you eat breakfast? Yeah, I love that. Um, I'd say I probably eat breakfast around eight. Like if we're talking about an average weekday, Um I'll usually like get up do some exercise and walk my dogs and then have breakfast around like 8 8 30 um at the moment in the summer again it's like I'm quite I quite like giving my body what it needs at a particular time of year so like I'm a hot person I get really hot so in the summer I usually have a smoothie like a not smoothie like oh tiny little smoothie like I will bulk it up with like oats bananas peanut butter dates like all the flaxseed and all of that so it's really feels filling because I have a really big appetite so I need to like really fill myself up at the beginning of the day because otherwise it just bites me all day um so yeah at this time of year I will probably have a smoothie it sounds boring but like no love a smoothie (laughs) can take it into fun places now I've been doing like a cacao and fresh mint from the garden at the moment which is so nice so it's like chocolate chip smoothie kind of oh my god yeah um yeah which is really good um and then sometimes I will to be honest like if you know if I'm not romanticizing my life breakfast is usually in quite a big rush but like if I have done some exercise at home and then I'll make myself a smoothie take it in the car to go walk for dogs or like sit at my desk and eat drink it while I'm starting to work sometimes I listen to the garden daily podcast which is like um today in focus which is like a news story that the guardian focuses on and it's quite interesting to just like give yourself a bit of that in the morning but that only happens when I'm like you know feeling quite calm and (laughs) not in a rush um other than that it will just be like kind of a working breakfast really yeah nice and what about lunch describe your perfect lunch setup on a typical day when you're working at home so lunch um I I guess when I'm at home 
um lunch is kind of my opportunity to like cook something new and take a photo for to post on Instagram so because I rely on a natural light for my food photography and also because it's during the working day I try to like use lunch as this opportunity um so my ideal lunch is probably a kind of soup or stew filled with loads of veg beans with toast maybe an egg um it will have like a base of you know onions garlic celery carrots and then maybe tomato like tin tomatoes in the winter it'll be more like a stewy thing but in the summer it might be a minestrone or bean stew or something like that because I've again like that really fills me up and I also just like getting a lot of different veg in and herbs and whatever I've got um I'll cook that and then me and Hugo will try and like turn off our laptops and eat together um so that we're just like having a break at the table um and that's kind of it yeah because all the food that you described is kind of what I think when I think of your page it's very the word I would use is sort of comforting yes comforting foods definitely yeah yeah I'm like I'm all like I like to eat really healthily and really well but like I'm all about like filling myself up like good quality cheese good quality yogurt good like eggs bread like lots of you know healthy nourishing food but never like a little salad that's going to fill me up for 20 minutes and what's your food love story how did you come to fall in love with food and when um I think it was like a very gradual thing throughout my like teens and 20s uh, early 20s I was really interested in like I've always been quite like health conscious and interested in eating well like I grew up on I grew up in in the middle of nowhere and my mum was um, I was I'm a family of six kids so my mum was really into cooking and she was making everything from scratch always like we were not uh, like I always you know hated it so much growing up but like we weren't that really allowed that many sweets like chocolate biscuits they were all quite limited it was always just like a lot of homemade food so I think I was it was really in my like upbringing that that was just kind of the way that I ate that made me feel good but then yeah I also think like I just started dabbling in an interest in like farming and soil and food sustainability when I was like leaving uni and that just kind of developed and like I was the person in my student house who was spending their money on a weekly vegetable box from a local farm when all my friends were like what are you <laughs> what is going on um so yeah I think it was a real gradual thing and like it's just developed more and more and it's always been a really central part of my life but I think when I left uni I didn't really see it as like a career trajectory because I didn't really want to go into like restaurant cooking or catering and obviously like social media has opened up a really different type of work where you're kind of well for me I'm like jack of all trades not master of none so like I'm dabbling in lots of different types of work which are all surrounded by food but like it's kind of a new way of working because of social media so yeah it's been really gradual but it's like very front and center of my life and it has been for probably like the last eight years yeah because when you say gradual process you have quite a big following do you was it literally gradual was there one sort of boom moment when it all went up um 
Yeah, I, that's a good question. Um, and also really don't think of myself as having a big following, but I think that's because it has been really gradual. I like I've loved like I think it's important when people talk publicly about like social media is that like you got you start social media when you start, you're starting because you want to grow a following. And I think sometimes people are quite like proud to be like, oh, it just like happened. Like, I haven't really thought about that much about it, but I'm like, no, I have thought about it. Like the fact that I'm where I am, like if I could have told myself four years ago when I had like 2000 followers, I would not believe that like I'd have like 50,000 followers and like, you know, be doing all this work through my social media. Like it's such a, I don't like, I'm not like, oh, I'm not blase about it. I'm like, this is insane. I've worked so hard for this and I've worked consistently for like four years on it. So it, like it hasn't just happened and like I wish it had some for some people it really does just happen like accidentally or like with not much effort but for the majority of people and I'm sure other people who work in social media can agree that like you it takes work and it's really hard and like and what do you think the hardest thing about it is being consistent or I think really finding your own style and being consistent yeah so like I mean I guess I've probably posted like a handful of times a week for the last four years. And I, you know, when reels came out, there was a bit of growth, but like, I don't want to be just a food influencer, however you say it, because that kind of limits me to one thing. Like, I feel like when people follow me, they're buying more into like me as a whole, as opposed to just the recipe. So I didn't want to go too far down the recipe reel thing then like you'll have one reel that you like won't think much about that will do really well and then that, that will give you a jump in followers or one put like food content does just do really well so you'll get one post that gets like you know jump so it and, and then it ebbs and flows and you'll go through a phase where you're like oh my god like my followers just staying the same like no I'm like I'm not going to be interesting anymore no one likes me what what am I doing wrong because it's very personal and also it's very public so like when I first started it and I still get this like my biggest anxieties were being embarrassed about like what friends and family would think it's not about the why it's for some reason it's not about the wider community you care more about what people think about you who know you than like the strangers do it's so true and it's weird it's so true because I I have this exact thing because I'm gonna be giving a talk soon on cyclical living and like consuming the seasons and your own cycle and things like that and how that's impacted my creativity and the thought of talking to a room of strangers I'm absolutely fine with but then as soon as if people I knew were there or something I would absolutely hate that I know. And it's the same on on Instagram I I really couldn't care less what strangers think of no me. I know it's so weird but look also when you then speak to your family and friends about it they're like you're doing so well like they're so congratulatory and amazing but like I'm the same like if I have people I know coming to my supper club I like feel so much more nervous whereas if it's just random people Mm. and it's crazy because it's only towards ourselves like I sometimes get that a, a bit like that about sharing my art online and I'm like oh people think I'm showing off but if I'm looking at other people's art I never think oh what a show off I'm always just like that's really cool no. it's just yeah we kind of do it to ourselves don't we it's like a stick we used to beat ourselves with. I think it's also quite a female thing yeah 
like I think like we lack a confidence of in ourselves and like it's silly but I think everyone feels it to an extent and like also I remember when I had a smaller following like looking up to people who probably had like my size now or like bigger I would be like when I get to that like I'll feel like you know I'll be so like happy and and like satisfied and that will be all good and like everything will just fall into place then but it's like the more the more successful you are or the more followers you have or whatever it is it you become more pressured on yourself Mm, the goalposts move yeah and it's like you know it's like people think oh she must be so satisfied she has like x amount of followers but like that's just it's then I'm just compare now I'm just comparing myself to other people who are much like higher up the ladder or like working with x brands or whatever so you never when you look at other people you compare yourself it's like they're doing so well it's like everyone's beating themselves up whatever level they're at it's just their like little bubble is in a different place to what, what it was before and how much do you think technology comes in between you and your creative work would you say that you're addicted to your devices 100 percent. again like someone who says they're not is lying especially works on social media because I'm really strict and it's been quite a new thing I'd say like in the last well this year in the last six seven months and I've go through phases of not being so good but like me and Hugo's mine and Hugo's rule is like phones off before dinner or like on airplane mode downstairs and they don't go back mine doesn't go back on till nine when I'm sitting at my desk yeah the thing that drives me crazy is and I feel bad because yeah I do it in the break sometimes but I try not to but people on their phone when we're watching tv or film together yeah she just tries to be insane I know know you're still watching technology but it's like are you that bothered no I know but it's, it's the addiction thing isn't it it's your phone your hand just reaches your phone I mean mine's mine's actually like something that I'm really battling at the moment is justifying <clears throat> to myself being on Instagram like all throughout the day because I it's work for me but like it's not necessary for like I like the way you phrased it is really interesting because it's been something I think about a lot at the moment. It's like, does it get in the way of your creativity? And I would say 100% yes at the moment. Like my ability to really get like deep into my thoughts and like ideas is being completely like taken over by my phone. Mm. You just get sucked in, don't you? Yeah. And I know that everyone's the same, but like I know that my days and my moments and all of that could be 10 times more productive than they're being if I and I, I don't have my phone in the room now because obviously I like don't I'm, I'm recording a podcast I don't want to be like look, seeing it light up or whatever and I go through phases where I'll be like okay but like at the moment I'm in a good phase where I'll be like 10 minutes of phone nine just check whatsapp go on instagram check my dms like check all that and then the phone goes in the other room and it stays there till like for a couple of hours and then maybe I'll give myself like five ten minutes on it but like that's not an ideal world on a bad day my phone will be next to me and I'll just be picking it up every like 
I don't even want to know how often. No, I don't want to know. I feel like I'm in a very good, well, not very good, obviously. <laughs> would be much better if I just didn't have it. But for me, a good phase because I'm really trying to limit scrolling and just use it to like either post and then not not check my post, just keep it as a sort of work log yeah. or reply to my emails or texts or things. And that's helped. It's, it's the scrolling. But even yesterday, like you said, with the productivity thing, I had a massive list of things to do like preparing for podcasts and stuff and I think I just went on Instagram on my browser to look up something about the podcast and this live came up about creativity and I started watching it and I was telling myself it's okay like you said it's it's linked to my work it's research but it's like no this is actually just getting in the way of the things that I need to be I doing. Know. Yeah it's a hard it's really hard like and I know that it's like a universal thing and I know that like you know, in the grand scheme of it, I'm not actually as bad as some people may be. I don't have to, I do have TikTok, but I don't really use it. I know that that's, sometimes I found myself, I'll walk in from taking my dogs on a walk or something. And I'll just, in times where I have been more on TikTok, I'll stand in the middle of my room, of my like literally corridor that I walk into the house, tiny corridor. I'll still have my coat on, my boots on, and I'll just stand there for like 10 minutes, just going like that. And then I'm like, what am I doing it's just not okay and yeah yeah I guess it's it's it will be an ongoing battle forever do you think so I kind of I love the idea I mean maybe not so good like for people I guess like us who work online but more on the social front that we would go back the other way and start because it, visibility is so such a commodity right now yeah are people going to want to stop sharing this or will we will it only go forward do you think I don't know it's hard like I think you get more aware like I'm really aware of and I'm I guess this comes this comes back to like the thing of family and friends like judging me or whatever you want to call it like or me me feeling they're not actually judging me my perception of them Mm. which is terrible it's like oh they think I'm silly I work in social media my like drawback to that is that I am hyper like vigilant with not being on my phone in social situations so like if I'm having dinner with my family I'm so not on my phone and if I'm like you know if we're at a restaurant and I want to take a photo of it I'll take the photo and then the phone will go away the same with when I'm with Hugo or when I'm with my friends I'm like this my line of work has made me actually hyper aware of being present and I guess that's also because I want to be present but I think the other and this is like more coming to its own recent more recently when I've been a bit more aware of like staying grounded you know when I'm getting like gifted stuff from brands when I'm working with brands when I'm going on trips with brands when things get a bit crazy like how can I make sure that I'm like as humble as I will ever be not that you know I'm any sort of celebrity or you know I'm not getting ahead of myself but it's like it can get kind of crazy where you're like, you know, getting this and that sent to you, getting this and that opportunity. So like, I'm, I don't want to get too absorbed in all of that. I want to be like the same friend I was, the same girlfriend I was, or fiance, the same sister, the same daughter, give my time in person even more so than I did before to, to make sure I'm asking. Cause 
the thing with social media is people see everything I'm doing. They see my work stuff, they see my personal stuff, and they're quite fascinated by it because it is a weird, funny job. They're asking me loads of questions about this and that, but I'm like, no, I don't want to talk about me. I want to hear about you because I don't see your stuff. Like, I don't know what you're up to. I don't know, like, that you changed jobs last month because we had, you know, we hadn't seen each other, like, all of that. So I guess it makes you more me personally it's made me more aware of like making sure I'm even more present than I was before yeah I guess because you're always trying to prove prove something to them but then in in doing so you're doing yourself a favor because you're making sure you're present in the moment and grounded and I guess what you're saying about other people following you they they almost feel like they have caught up with you because they're following what you're doing day to day I know I'm literally like posting you know like what I'm having for lunch when I don't know what my friends where 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 my friend went on holiday because she's just not into social media yeah my friends know the Airbnb I stayed in they know who exactly I went with they know which restaurants I ate in they know which beaches I went in so it's like this funny balance between it's it is a balance I feel like sometimes I get really jealous of people who because like you I like all my all my work is through Instagram really people like message me for jobs and stuff through it so I you know I think it's great in so many ways but so part of me sometimes I just want to like go through my phone in a river and <laughs> never be on it again oh my god you and me both it's that constant tug and pull between hating it and you know think that it's being great for work I think in an ideal world, I would have every weekend off social media fully. Mm. But I, and I'll do like every so often, I'll do a day fully off. But in an ideal world, I would, it would just be during the week and it would go off on the Friday and go back on a Monday morning. Yeah. But it's like, I also, the other thing on this point is like, I actually, the reason why I'm doing this, the reason why I've like managed to do this and build a following and it's because I actually really enjoy it. Mm. I love taking photos I always have like I was like the first of my friends to get Instagram when it just came out like I was so excited I was posting like you know photos of my new shoot like my new my jeans like my cool new like where I was going up to a concert like I was so I've always been an oversharer and I really enjoy the process of doing it it's not like I get I I get your thing of like wanting to chuck your phone far away but like also I do um I do like actually really enjoy it and enjoy the process of sharing every day so it's not it doesn't it's not as like oh I have to post an Instagram like I have I I post really regularly because I have stuff to share really regularly I wouldn't like it's never a forced thing and if I feel deflated or or I'm or uncreative to like post my lunch then it doesn't happen sometimes I have really ugly lunches that aren't photogenic because I think the same I think sometimes well most of the time the actual creating and curating like putting together I hate this word but the content (laughs) um like making a video I find really fun and creative putting a little deal together I find that really fun I think it's just more it's the aftermath that I don't find this fun it's like oh 100% 
Um, but yeah, I think you're so right. I think if you con- concentrate on the creative aspect of it, like Instagram is a great app. Yeah. And I think that's okay for me to say, like I've gone through stages where like my photos aren't getting likes, my followers aren't going up, all of that stuff's really stagnant. Whereas like for for the last however long, like photo my photos do well and like my followers grow steadily. So I'm in a place like I've gone, yeah, I've gone through phases where like not that's not happening and I'm like, why am I doing this? Like da, da, da. but yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird world, but it's also like I've managed to build my whole career through that, which is crazy. Yeah. And you were just saying about, you know, how you don't post every lunch because all the meals on your page, obviously we see what you choose to put out, but every meal looks sort of beautiful and lovingly prepared and nourishing. Do you, is everything that you put into your body, do you prepare it lovingly or are there times where you just think, fuck it, I'm just going to whack this in the microwave or have some biscuits? (laughs) Like if I'm, if I'm honest, no, I, I eat really, really well. And I think, again, that's probably because that was how I brought, was brought up. Like, obviously, I have times where I'm like, my idea of, like, putting stuff, whacking something in the microwave is, like, I'll just make eggs and toast really quickly because I don't have the... Like, I do... What I'm putting out into the world is genuinely how I eat and how I eat, like, 99% of the time. Obviously, I eat, like, crisps, chocolate, all of that stuff. But, like, I don't really eat fast food. I don't really eat, like, ready meals, all of that kind of thing what makes me feel good and what is my like love language is cooking and eating really well so while everything's not photogenic always it will always like be a version of what I'm putting out into the world yeah and back to your food rituals do you have any rituals around dinner time are you guys music and candles people do you eat in front of the telly or is it somewhere in the middle of that we're mostly telly yeah like we're quite good at putting time to like have a like date night and like that will be you know at the table or like we'll go to the cinema or go out for a meal if we're in London um but like most of the time we're both we both work hard like everyone you know the rest of the world and we just ready for like switch off into the world and sit on the sofa and watch something yeah same with us (laughs) I think it's yeah you could like we do try sometimes even sometimes we'll just sit on the sofa and we'll eat and chat but like it's mostly a sofa situation for our dinner and you always eat with your boyfriend I'm assuming you oh sorry your fiance (laughs) do you always cook or is he a cook no he's a really good cook and he cooks quite a lot too where I'll cook like 99% of lunches unless I'm really busy and you know away or like in you know like I just don't haven't had time to put it together but he'll I'll make like 99% of lunches but we like pretty much alternate dinners he's really good cook yeah nice and what would be your favorite romantic meal to make so like an intimate meal for two what would you cook I think if we were having like if we're putting a big effort into our dinner we'd probably do pizzas because we have a pizza oven which is the best thing ever and it just feels really nice because there's a nice level of it being like I lo- I'll make the dough and then like Hugh will get all the toppings ready and it's just quite a nice like interactive thing to do together so yeah I say pizzas and also it's like actually not that hard is that an outdoor pizza oven then yeah yeah it's outdoor so cool 
And on the opposite end of the spectrum, when you're cooking for a big party or a big family meal, what would be your go-to then? Um, my go-to is at the moment is just like, well, probably always, it's kind of the same way I approach supper club. So it won't really be like, because most of my cooking is vegetarian, I'm not like, I don't really have a label on my diet. I do eat a bit of meat when I'm like trust where it comes from and, and all of that stuff. But it will mostly be vegetarian. So I'll have lots of different dishes that kind of all go on the table and you pick a bit of everything. Um, because I feel like that kind of suits vegetarian cooking the most. It'll be maybe like one more hearty salad with like beans or croutons or something, one more like light salad, and then maybe like a hot veg dish and then maybe a roast chicken if it was if I was deciding to do meat or like a big sort of central veg dish. So it'll be lots of different and then lots of sauces, like maybe homemade mayo, a salsa. So like it all kind of just gets there and everyone's digging in. I quite like that style of cooking. Yeah, I love that. I love my my favourite when we go out is like veggie sharing small plates. Mm-hmm. And you just get to try more stuff, which is fun. Exactly, exactly. The way you cook and eat must sometimes switch up from season to season. Can you talk me through some of your favourite seasonal food rituals yeah so I guess the biggest the biggest like difference is summer like high summer and high winter so high winter I'm like making a lot of like soups and stews so like really warming really slow cooked tomato-y rich like really like nourishing full food um and then in the summer I'm like salads like big crunchy salads full of loads of different things cheese beans bread loads of veg loads of herbs um so like I love like a crunchy good big salad is like my absolute thing in the summer and also just love a lunch of like something on toast like different swapping out different veg cheese um herbs again but like using toast as like the vehicle to to do what you want um so yeah I think the biggest difference is like everything in winter will be cooked like I won't really eat raw food and then in summer it's like getting all of that crunchy raw like tomatoes quick um tomatoes cucumbers all of that kind of thing um so yeah salads in the summer but like salads are just like they this they have so much to them and do you have a favorite season for cooking Ah, I I actually love winter cooking. I really do because of that ability to like use it as, you know, you're so cold and so like grump. I'm so cold and so grumpy in the winter and cooking is really my like savior of like how I can keep continue to feel myself and also just like feel really good. Um, But I also think that like because we live in quite a cold climate, the having the veg that you do in the winter is quite depressing whereas in summer it's like how can you say no to all of that produce like the courgette like having courgettes from my garden this time of year like they're tight you you pick them when they're tiny and you just have them raw with like lemon and olive oil and salt and like all the tomato like there's just an abundance Mm. which yes I think I'd probably say summer maybe like September October late summer but also you have like mushrooms and squash coming in. Squash is my favourite vegetable. <laughs> yeah. 
tell me about your time at Ballymaloo. What are your some of some of your favourite memories from being there? And what is Ballymaloo for those who might not be familiar? So Ballymaloo is a cooking school in Ireland, which is like set on an organic farm. So it's very like f- ingredient focused um, and like food story focused. Um, I think you know I took so much away from that from my time there. I think. The things that I took away was, again, when I was talking earlier about this, like, early 20s moment where I really felt like I was trying to wear. I knew that I wanted my work to really be my life, my life to be my work, because I'm just that kind of person. But I couldn't figure out, like, what my calling was at that stage. And I didn't really know what direction to take my interest in food in and all of that. So Ballymaloo came at a really, like, crucial time for me where... I found people for the first time who were really like-minded um people who were like not so interested in being in London in an office but like really liked the sort of outdoors element of life and were were passionate about where their food came from and were spending you know all of their money that they were earning on like organic vegetables and and sourdough bread (laughs) um and also just like getting up for sunrise running to the sea getting in the sea, running home, picking sea spinach on the way back and samphire from the beach and like having eggs from the hens and bread from the, where they make their bread at Ballymaloo. Like that for me, it was more like the lifestyle element where I feel like I dug my, like I I really found myself there and that sounds silly, but like I just figured out, okay, yeah, this is what I value in life. And like, that sounds silly at all. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's a big financial commitment going to Ballymaloo. Um, but, and I guess, it, and I always say this when people ask me about it, I guess it just depends what you want to get out of it. Like a lot of people do it when they're middle-aged because they have, you know, the savings to do it and they kind of want a break from their normal life. Um, but yeah, I loved it. And could you talk me through the timeline of a typical day of creative work for you? Mm. So... My like day-to-day work actually involves more like laptop work than I would like at the moment. Um, while I'm in a bit of a kind of transitionary phase into like the next year or so, which I'm like working on a few more major projects that will kind of like control my how my days work a bit more. Um, at the moment, I'm and because I'm moving a lot. I'm like on emails and my computer a lot, which I guess any job involves. I'm editing videos on my laptop. I'm like talking to brands. I'm talking to my manager. I'm like doing calls like this. So um, I'll probably spend like nine until 11, 11.30, like answering emails and sorting my laptop work out. And then I'll spend a couple of hours in the middle of the day like planning food um, and cooking a recipe. And then I always also post on my Instagram around lunchtime. Like, again, I don't have a solid rule for this. I used to be like really OCD and be like at the, like literally at the same time every day. Um, but that's probably just my like control, my, my me like being a bit of a control freak about it. So now I'll just be like, during that time of day it won't be that lunch but it'll be like if it, if it is a food picture it will be the previous the previous day whatever so that will be when I'm like up and about um 
if I'm in Wales, the day will start with like a dog walk, which is when I'll do, I'll walk around my garden and feed the chickens, check on the donkeys, um, like water anything that the needs watering at this time of year and have a bit of a like check in um, and then come back, sit at my laptop, do the lunch, do the recipe. Um, and then in the afternoon, probably be back, back at my laptop. If I have like round partnerships I need to photograph or film or edit, then I'll do that in the morning because I'm high energy in the morning and I fade a bit in the afternoon. So I try to do like calls you know, where I need to be really creative or where I need to be like head in the game. I'll try and always do that in the morning. And then post lunch, I can just like sit and be, you know, at my laptop and, and not have to be as creative. Um, and then, yeah, that's kind of the working day, really. It, it really is flexible, I guess. Yeah. And you mentioned there about your manager. How did that come about? Did you is that for social media? Did you kind of get to a point where your following got big, uh, big enough that you thought, I need some help in managing this? Or did they come to you? How does that work? So Alana, who, I mean, it's kind of, she doesn't, we don't really have like a label on who she is. She, She's amazing. Um, but she, I worked with a brand last year and I've always been quite anti having an agent because if I'm honest, I've worked, I work in events, like I've worked in events with my parents. I've worked in event, they run events. I've, I've put on events for them. I've put on my own events. I have had minimal, some good, some really good, but minimal good experiences with agents on the other side. When you're the, like, you're the brand that they're trying to work with or the, the event. And I really don't like the idea of, having someone like talk on behalf of me because I like creating the relationships and like know and getting a feeling of what like how that's going and I like to be there and, and I and again I like really don't see myself as like big girl big following I just like want to feel connected to every project I'm working on um but Alana came to me after a job I worked on last year where she was working for the brand and she basically was like I don't have experience but I have like a lot of I feel like you've got a lot of potential and I'd love to help you like unlock that this was when I had like this was last October and I think I had like 15,000 no maybe like 17,000 followers on Instagram so like not that many to compare to where I've come to now and compared to like the big people that you know agencies want to work with um and she was like, you know, there's kind of no commitment, but let's just see how it goes. These are the brands that I have contacts with and I could help you, you know, da, da, da. and yeah, we've been working together since then, really. She's amazing. Like she's brought me probably 50% of the jobs I've done, but she's also just a really good sounding board for me um, and like support system. So she's, you know, she's a similar kind of age. She's really, really great. She doesn't work for an agency. She's never done this before, but she's been amazing at it. She helps me to come to the supper club and help kind of help me run the night. And um, if I'm working on events for brands, so like I'll do some pop, some, some smaller supper clubs for brands. She'll help me negotiate all the details with the brand. Um, so yeah, it's like really ideal for me because I was really anti having an agent for a long time. But now you see like 
and I guess yeah I don't really know what to call her usually I will just say my manager because that's kind of the easiest way to explain it but it's kind of really really suiting me at the moment and she's amazing yeah I think as well when you work for yourself it's just really nice to have another pair of ears who are not just a friend or your your mum or something because I'm the same I I work for myself and I like everything I do to be from me Mm. but maybe when I'm done like a solo show and I'll have a curator and I think at the time my mum was like why do you need a curator but you you need that sounding board to just to make sure you're thinking everything through making the right decisions and also the collaboration can be really fun when you're doing it with someone else as well a hundred percent and also like Alana's quite good I'm quite um I take on way too much I'm just it's just my nature like someone no one will be able to stop me and I won't be able to stop myself but I am just really bad at taking on too much Alana is so good at being really honest with me or saying why did you bother going to that you know why did you think you needed to go to that like press lunch that you're invited to like you had loads on that week you don't need to show face all the time like she'll be really honest with me about because we have like a shared calendar so I'll put all the like press events I get invited to or like the deadlines I have for branded content all of that kind of stuff we have that we both see that and she's quite good at like being quite like almost maternal to me even though she's a similar age where she'll be like come on like you don't need you know in a in a nice gentle way she'll be like she'll kind of tell me how it is which I really like because I don't need someone to pander to me I need someone to like keep me in line yeah I think with the finance thing as well I mean I'm not sure if she helps you out that but it's the same for me when I when I did get an agent it relaxed me so much in terms of them sorting out my fees for jobs whereas when when you are just for yourself and people come to you and you're trying to think of a price that can be quite stressful is that something you ever struggle with oh 100% I think also I'm really lucky because I have a small network of really good friends who work in social media and we're all really open to each other about fees so and like one of my really good friends she has quite a big agent and so she's getting she's able to feed and she's got a similar size following to me she's able to like feed back what I should be charging brands because although Alana's amazing she does she's not a part of an agency so she doesn't know all the like levels that you should be so we're kind of going out on a whim but like before Alana was helping me I was 100% undercharging and then she's like no that's silly and and also again like talking on the other side of like having an agent it can make you a bit more confident in that like you know that you're worthy of the pay that you're getting mm-hmm. um so yeah that's definitely a benefit because you can be like oh let's just like push a little bit more or oh it doesn't feel if it's a smaller brand that like I really want to work with I'll take a, you know I don't need to get paid as much as I would do if it was a bigger brand that I wasn't like at. I mean I work I only work with brands that I feel 100% fit me and like I would support anyway um but yeah, I guess it gives you a bit more confidence to be like, oh, we can. It gives you confidence. Also, I think it just opens your eyes. And because for me, with an illustration, it's like, oh, that's what people actually pay for illustrations, right? Yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah, it's eye opening. Back to your sort of 
yeah creative work do you are there any specific things you do to get in the right headspace before you start creative work maybe before you start cooking or brainstorming your next event any little things like a smell or a certain type of music you listen to something you wear or you drink or you eat any little things like that that make you think okay I'm in creating mode now um I have to be really calm to be in my creative mode which I can be quite frantic and like hot-headed so I have to be in a calm headspace to get creative um so I do do some things every day like I like my exercise is kind of a non-negotiable whether it's like literally a 15 minute stretch or like a really intense 45 minute pilates or workout or hot yoga it's not like always a 50 minute run and then abs and do it it's like sometimes it could literally be 10 minutes of stretching that classifies as exercise to me so like I'll start always with exercise of some capacity and a dog walk that just like like puts me on the right trajectory for the day whether it's creative work which it usually is um I also take some like anti-anxiety supplements I take reishi which is like a medicinal mushroom tincture um from a brand called Bristol Fungarium and then I take this tablet called a super you which is an american brand called moon juice and they're both basically anxiety helpers um because i think my anxiety manifests itself in being really like too energetic and hot-headed so i need things to like bring me down in the morning to feel really balanced and those two are like what i'll do every morning i'll take the tincture and some water and i'll take the tablets and that just like sets me level-headed and then I can go into it. And yeah, like smells, I always have candles. I have one of those diffusers, which you burn essential oils in. That's literally always on in our house. Um, so, and like fresh air. I like to be warm, but like, I like quite like a cool space, like open windows, you know, airy. So yeah, that's kind of as far as my rituals go. And how important is it for you to dedicate time in your day to creative acts that are not related to your work? And what might those be for you? Um, probably not enough because I think my I think that kind of is one of the problems when you make your work your passion your work. So still like, and again, it doesn't have to be photographed or a recipe that I'm writing. Like I'll put if I'm cooking supper, I'll put a lot of energy and time into it. Like I won't be on my phone. I won't have anything else going on. I'll just be focusing on like what I'm cooking. Um, I would always love to have a bit more of a like hobby that isn't my work. But and I go through ebbs and flows of doing so. Um, but at the moment, it's just like cooking, really, which is not really a good thing. <laughs> I guess like in a in a form like I lo- I absolutely love yoga and and that's not exactly like a creative process but I guess it is in a, f- a form of it. I think it's creative. Yeah, and I just love it. it. Like really makes me feel good mentally and physically. And it's kind of like if I do an evening class, it just sets the day. Like it again puts me on like a karma. And like when I go to do hot yoga, like there's no. F- phones or screens it's just like in a dark room the teacher and all the other people in the class and there's no distraction so that's quite a good like refocus yeah lovely you travel a lot is that a big source of inspiration when it comes to creating your own recipes yeah a hundred percent I think um like Europe especially Europe I was just in Greece but like being in 
Europe the the food culture is so inspiring um and like I'm about to be in France for two weeks where I'll be working so it's like a family holiday but because I'm self-employed I like can't really take you know a holiday when I, I can go away but I can't just like take it as holiday every time I go away so I'll be working but I'm doing some recipe writing while I'm there and I'm so excited to like go to the market and buy all the produce that I'm cooking and like cook with it with the windows open in the French kitchen and like have that yeah so it's such a I think a lot of my like cooking culture has come from has been inspired by like especially Italian cooking but also just French and um Greek and like it's so simple and and ingredient reliant that like nothing is like there's there's not actually a lot of flavors it's just like strong fresh flavors yeah so that's interesting you're you're cooking a lot while you're away not just eating out Mm. I mean I guess it depends on where I am like the the trip I was just on in Greece was a full holiday um I guess kind of like I was writing a piece on being in Athens for 24 hours so I was writing like for a brand a guide to Athens so I was in Athens that was kind of work I was like eating as much as I could while I was there because it was like a food article but then like I met friends on an island and we were really and like it was a holiday like beach you know chill reading but because I'm going away with my family for two weeks and like you know we most we go to the same place every year it's like a calm it's like a countryside middle of nowhere farm like old farm um and there's not really like places to eat out so it's like really we just cook and that's just yeah I get so excited to cook there like I've got a list on my phone of all the things I want to cook while I'm there um and it's just and we go to this we've been going to the same place for 20 years and it's like the same two food markets a week so I know the markets I know the stalls like I literally know the guy who makes this amazing tapenade and he sells like olives and nuts and everything so like even the idea of having his olives so yeah there's something so nostalgic about food holiday memories Mm. oh my god yeah yeah do you have a favorite cuisine of somewhere that you've been recently to visit I actually loved Greek food I mean I haven't I haven't really been to Greece I'd only been to Greece once before um and for me because I'm mostly vegetarian like when I'm in Greece I'd I'll rely more on appetizers because they're all vegetarian cheese all of that stuff um but I loved Greek food but I think like Italian is just quite unbeatable or French like I honestly think French and Italian a bit of a combination of both it's just like yeah unbeatable delish Mm. cool well I think we'll just end with some quick fire questions if that's okay with you yeah of course first thing you do when you wake up brush my teeth last thing you do before you go to sleep read I put my legs up on the wall and read Oh, nice. Because that drains it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And finally, why is living a creative life important to you? I guess I feel oh, it's kind of hard to quick fire this, but I think I've always felt like not really able to focus on schoolwork, on uni work, on office work. And I feel like as soon as I moved into a creative job, I was actually like 
able to be myself and able to thrive in that environment. So, and I don't want to live my life not doing something that I actually enjoy. Yeah, life's too short. Life's too short, yeah. If you want to hear more from Xanthi, you can find her on Instagram at Xanthi Gladstone and you can find me at Georgie Stewart Illustration. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to share it with a friend or anyone who might find it interesting. Thank you for listening to Creative Rituals.